Well, my name is Stephen, and I'm the young adult pastor here. It's great that you guys could tune in with us this evening. Tonight, we are, we are continuing a series called Motivations. And we've been looking at this triad of faith, of love, and of hope that the Apostle Paul talks about as the motivations for us as Christians to do everything that we do. And the verse that we've been really honing in on is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, or two weeks ago, Garrison uh, masterfully unpacked how we work not for God's favor, but as a response to his love through faith. And, and last Wednesday, Miata followed that up with a powerful message uh, about what it looks like to be rooted in God's love. And tonight, we're going to really hone in on that third part of that triad of hope. And although this was, was a topic that I was assigned a couple weeks ago, it's, it's coming at a very timely point. Because there's been two uh, big events, and you don't have to be uh, someone who hears very clearly from God or someone with a super spiritual, strong gift of discernment to, to know and to realize that there are two things that are facing us as a nation and even as a church right now. And that's one, this coronavirus and the fear, the isolation, and the economic impact that it's brought. And if that's not bad enough, if that avalanche isn't bad enough, we have once again seen videos of horrific racism and injustice with George Floyd and the incident in Central Park with Amy Cooper. And just by looking at social media and the responses and the, the anger and the frustration and the confusion and the hurt, it's a season that many of us are lacking hope. And the challenge, particularly for me, and I think for all of us, is that when you have a bad day, you wake up the next morning knowing that the slate has been wiped clean and you get a new, fresh start. But with these two mountains, these two challenges that we're facing, we wake up day after day with that same reality. For coronavirus, it's been eight weeks and counting. There are many months of that still ahead of us. For the racial injustice, it's been literally centuries. And so how do you find hope when you know these problems aren't going anywhere? I've entitled this message, Coronavirus, George Floyd, and the Hope We Desperately Need. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that you do what I can't do. That in each person watching, that you would produce a hope that's not just a flash in the pan or something to make us feel nice for a moment, but an enduring hope, God, that allows us to see the light at the end of the tunnel and to walk forward in faith and in hope. In Jesus' name, amen. The passage that we're going to be looking at today is Psalm chapter 46. We're going to look at the whole psalm. It's not a long one. Um, we're going to read it together. Psalm chapter 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. 
Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, that holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. We're not quite sure the situation of Psalm chapter 46, what the people of God, Israel, were exactly going through in that moment. We think that this psalm may have been written by a group called the Sons of Korah during a time, the pre-exilic time. This is a time frame before the nation of Israel went into exile by a country or uh, an empire called Babylon. And it was a time where they faced fierce opposition from enemy nations. We may not know exactly when it was, but at the very least we know from the psalm that it was a time that they felt like their world was crumbling. And I want you to look at verses 2 and 3 of this 46th psalm with me and notice the vivid imagery here. It says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. These two verses describe something that we're experiencing right now with coronavirus. In the Hebrew mind, nothing was considered as solid and secure as the earth and as the mountains. Ancient Israel relied on the mountains for protection against their enemies. But here the sons of Korah describe a completely different scene, a horrifying scene. The earth, a symbol of stability, has given way. And the mountains, a picture of safety and security, have moved into the heart of the sea. The analogy isn't depicting minor vibrations or tiny tremors but a massive earthquake. It's as if the Rocky Mountains have been thrown into the Pacific Ocean or as if California shook so violently that it separated from the mainland. That's the picture here. That's the violence and the upheaval. Then water, a common metaphor in Hebrew poetry. The waters are depicted as roaring and foaming. I once went boogie boarding in the Atlantic Ocean. If you don't know, you get on this board. It's for people who can't surf, who aren't as cool. Just like people like me who have no idea what they're doing out there. And I'm out there on a day that I shouldn't be out there. There's these huge waves. It's the first time I'm ever riding this boogie board. 
and this giant like 10, 12 foot wave. And I, I get underneath this thing and this thing is so massive that it just envelops me. It just swallows me. And I just remember going down and I don't, I just completely lost my bearings. I mean, that, the force of that wave was so strong that I remember hitting the sand and the sand coming up and it's murky and I started to swim what I thought was actually upwards, but really I slammed back down into the ground because I was completely disoriented. That was the power of that wave. And that's a small picture of what the people are experiencing here. They don't even know which way is up because the violence of the earth, these earthquakes, it's as if the world has fallen in on them. Does it feel like now, in this time, that the earth and the mountains are shaking? Does it feel like the waters are roaring and foaming? I mean, look at the great American economy, a picture of stability, the pride of our nation. It's given way. Look at the world, renowned concerts and stadiums that we pride ourselves in as Americans, that these big events that we go to, suddenly they've been thrown into the sea. Look at the health of our nation, something that we pride ourselves in, that we are a healthy nation, we have the best doctors, we have the best nurses, and yet we have over 100,000 deaths, the most in the world, and our health as a nation is roaring and foaming. Just look into your own heart. Is it trembling? If so, you're in good company because that's how ancient Israel felt in this psalm. The people of God are struggling. They've lost hope. And yet notice the sons of Korah, they don't begin. We read verses 2 and 3 first, but they don't begin there. They don't push aside the realities. They don't put their hand their head in the sand and just ignore the reality, but they start with an affirmation of who God is. Verse one, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We'll talk about the strength part in a moment, but if you're, any of you who lived on the West Coast know that when there is an earthquake, you know what to do. You get inside. You get underneath a desk or a hard object. You seek refuge. What do you do when you're in trouble? What do you do when you're in over your head? You get help. And here the psalmists are allowing their circumstances to not dictate how they feel, but they allow their circumstances to be a reminder of who they know their God to be. What do you do when you're absolutely terrified that your son, who may be doing Instacart, might catch the virus? Or what do you do when you're alone in the house, isolated for eight straight weeks, and you're feeling lonely, you're feeling depressed? Or what do you do when you've been laid off, and you're looking at the bank account, and the number in the bank account is a lot less than what you need? Well, the sons of Korah say you find refuge in God. You find help in trouble. And every time you see the news and see the number of deaths continue to climb, and every time you look at the bank account and it's lower than what you need it to be, every time you feel fear and anxiety welling up on the inside, you're reminded 
let me go to my place of refuge. Let me find God and dig in this word and pray and spend time with him. Let me go and serve in my community with the food drive. Let me go and meet the needs of the people around me. Or if I can't go outside because of health concerns or because people in my, my life that I love and I'm caring for, let me get to my knees and pray. Let me jump on a prayer call. Our circumstances in this season are a cue to go to God, who's our refuge, and to go to God for our strength and our comfort. And then all of a sudden in this psalm, verse 4, there's a sudden change in scenery. We just saw this picture of mountains being thrown into the sea and the earth shaking. And then suddenly in verse 4, there's a river. And the whole tone of these verses change. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Do you see the stark dichotomy, the contrast? Right after describing the upheaval of the earth, the psalmist directs our gaze, not to the here and now, but directs our gaze forward. They describe a picture of where human history is heading. It's a beautiful city. It's the city of God. It's a city with a river of gladness. And instead of an earth crumbling and mountains that are shaking, we get an immovable God at the city center. We get a promise of help. Not a far way off, but know when the morning dawns. Family, what this season has taught me more than anything is that despite living in one of the greatest countries in the world, despite living in one of the richest counties in America, despite living near one of the most powerful cities in the world, despite going to one of the greatest churches in the world, and I'm a little biased, but despite having the best family in the world, this world is not my home. It's not. The coronavirus is an in-our-face reminder that there is only one celestial city. There's only one place where our souls will truly find eternal gladness. There's no job. There's no school. There's no dream spouse. There's no neighborhood. There's no vacation that, compare, that can compare to the city of God and to the God who's unshakable at its center. And more than the stores opening up and life returning to a quote-unquote normal, our hope is where history is headed to that city and that God who's at its core. Let's skip down to verse 8. What the Israelites couldn't understand during this time is why would God allow these pagan enemy nations to succeed? They knew God wasn't the source of the evil. He wasn't inspiring these enemy nations. But they couldn't understand why he would allow these enemies to come and to pose a threat against them. I mean, you take Asaph, who wrote Psalm 83. And in Psalm 83, you can hear his frustration. You can hear his lament when he says, Oh God, do not rem remain silent. Do not turn a deaf ear. Do not stand aloof, O oh God. See how your enemies growl, how your foes 
rear their heads. With cunning, they conspire against your people. They plot against those you cherish. Come, they say, let us destroy them as a nation so that Israel's name is remembered no more. God, where are you when we're being attacked by these enemies? Don't you care? Won't you come to our defense? And here we are as a nation, once again, watching a horrific video of a black man being murdered. Once again, we watch a video of blatant racism by a white woman in a park threatening a black man simply because he's black. And as I've seen the reaction from my black acquaintances and friends and family members and brothers and sisters in Christ and fellow image bearers of God, I feel some of your frustration, your tiredness, your anger, and even your hopelessness. I say some because, to be honest, I wish I felt it more. I'm late to the struggle. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've recognized the racism and the systemic injustice for years, but I feel like, honestly, just now, I'm feeling the pain for the first time as opposed to simply recognizing that this evil exists. So I'm embarrassed to say I'm not as winded or as battle-scarred. In some ways, I'm like the guy, anyone who plays basketball knows this phenomenon of after you've played three or four games of basketball and you are dog-tired and your shirt's drenched in sweat, you push yourself, you realize, okay, I got maybe one more game left, and then all of a sudden... This guy comes in who's fresh, and he starts scoring baskets, and he starts stealing the ball. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, dude, we just played four games, and now you're going to show up. And in many ways, I'm that guy just showing up to the game. I'm late to the party. I'm late to feeling the pain. But perhaps God can redeem the fact that me and a lot of my white brothers and sisters who are late to the game, maybe he'll use us to allow our freshness, the fact that we don't feel the pain that we should have felt from being in the struggle as long as many of you have. Maybe he'll use us to give some encouragement and and some hope for those of you who've been in the trenches of racial reconciliation for years. Maybe we could be a second wave of support coming in behind you for those of you who've been fighting this fight for justice and reconciliation. Look at verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Silah. To my black friends and family members and brothers and sisters in Christ, the Lord of hosts is with you. The God of Jacob is your fortress. And as a white brother in Christ, trying to better identify and empathize with your your pain, trying to be more courageous in speaking out against the blatant racism and injustice that I see, not just me, but I see many white brothers and sisters in Christ, finally, like me, getting in the game. Maybe it feels too late. Maybe it feels like There's not enough of us, but I can say 
as one standing with you. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I know you're tired of saying black lives matter. I know you're tired of mourning another loss. But keep saying it. Some of the silence from people that look like me is complicity. But for some of us, it's us finally shutting our mouth to hear the pain that's coming out of yours. Keep speaking. Don't lose hope. There was a woman who gave her life to the Lord a couple months ago who I've been walking with, and she called me one day really distraught because she'd been reading in the Old Testament. And she, she said, I don't like the God I see in the Old Testament. God seems mean, seems angry. What's, what's with this God? Why, why can't he be like the God in the New Testament that's all about love? And if you look at verse 8, it's kind of, you can kind of see your point. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he's brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. It doesn't seem very loving. Why would God bring desolations on the earth? Notice the violence of the language. He's breaking bows and shattering spears and burning chariots with fire. But as you watch a young man get gunned down as he runs in a neighborhood, or as you watch a man's neck press down for seven minutes as he cries out for help, you understand the need for a God who's not just loving, but just. There will be a day when the racism is snapped in two like a broken bow and injustice is shattered in a million pieces like this spear and centuries-old oppression is burned with fire because God is a God of justice. But what do we do now? What do we do until that day while the injustice exists? What do we do in a world where a pandemic has gripped us with fear and in a country where, exa- where we're exhausted from seeing repeated acts of racism? What do we do when we're suffocated in hopelessness? Look at verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, notice this verse is the only verse with quotes. Because this is God speaking himself. And where do you normally see this verse? You normally see it on a coffee mug. Or you normally see it on a beautifully crafted social media graphic with an ocean or something peaceful like a lake. But as we've read in these preceding verses, this isn't a verse for tranquil times. It's a verse for violent, turbulent times like the times that we're living in. This is a verse when you can't breathe. And now here's a surprising twist. We always hear this verse as if God is directing these words to us. Be still and find peace. And there is some merit in that. There is some merit in taking a moment to find God and to be peaceful. But God's not speaking to the people of Israel, telling them to be still. And he's not even speaking to us 
to be still. He's speaking to the earth that's given way. He's speaking to the mountains that are in the sea. He's speaking to the waters that are foaming and roaring. He's speaking to the mountains that are trembling. He's speaking to the nations that are raging and the kingdoms that are tottering. He's speaking to the bows and the spears and the chariots. He's speaking today to a global pandemic that's wreaking havoc, an economic catastrophe, a demonic racism, a system of injustice that are set up against his authority to be quiet, to shh, to recognize that he alone is God. You remember when Jesus encountered, what what Jesus encountered on a boat with his disciples in the Gospels? He was on his way to set free the biggest terror in the region, a man who was so demon-possessed he couldn't be bound with even chains. And before they got to him, Jesus and his disciples encountered a storm. And we know this was not a normal storm because here were guys who made a lifetime, made a living fishing on these seas. And even they thought they were going to die. So there was some kind of demonic origin to the storm that was preventing Jesus and the disciples from getting to the other side and extending the kingdom of God. And do you remember who Jesus told to be still? He didn't tell the disciples to be still. He told the winds and the waves to be still. So please, don't be still. Don't lose hope and in par- being paralyzed or in fear, be still with this disease. No, you just keep serving your community with these food bags and these food drives. You keep knocking on neighbors' doors and asking them how you can help. If you can't go out because of health issues or because it's not wise, you keep calling friends and family members and encouraging them. You keep getting on the phone and joining prayer calls and crying out to God for this storm to cease. My brothers and sisters who aren't black like me, don't be still. Read books like read, like be the bridge in the color of compromise. Pick up the phone and ask one of your black brothers or sisters, what they're feeling. Immerse yourself in the Facebook and Instagram posts from your black friends until you're exhausted and frustrated and better in touch with their pain. And to those of you who are African American, please don't be still. I know it's exhausting, infuriating, even despairing to watch another example I know it's the hundredth time you've had to say black lives matter or lament on social media or wonder if any of your non-black friends care. But we need you to keep speaking. We need you to keep posting. We need you to keep praying. We need you to keep lamenting because those of us who aren't black are learning and we're feeling and we're joining you. Remember verse one. God is our refuge and our strength. And I'm believing God for those of you who've been fighting this fight and feel like you have no more wind in your sails, that there's a strength coming to you. There might be a moment where you got to get off social media, but then God's strength is going to come to you. He's going to encourage you. You're going to find that hope that you need to get up tomorrow and to keep fighting.
we have the great joy and privilege of figuring out not just how to make black and white work, but Latino and Asian and every nation and every tribe and every people. Why? Because we're a church called to look like heaven, to display the manifold or the multicolored wisdom of God. This is our calling. This is our joy to walk together in these moments and to display the wisdom of God to a world that's looking for some answer to the injustice, looking for some answer in the midst of the unrest. Why? Because God will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in all the earth. He will be exalted in China. He will be exalted in the Middle East. He will be exalted in Latin America. He will be exalted by whites. He will be exalted by blacks. He will be exalted in all the earth. It's about his glory. It's about his renown. And that is worth fighting for. What have I said? If you're gripped with fear because of the coronavirus, you're in a similar place as Israel. Let the trembling around you be your cue to find refuge and to find help in God. This, is, this season is a reminder that our hope is in the city of God and the immovable God at its center. If you're frustrated and exhausted with the racial injustice that you see, don't lose hope. You have a God who is just and who's going to right every wrong. And until that day, don't be still. Keep praying. Keep posting. Keep building with people who don't look like you. Keep fighting. Because we have a kingdom, an invisible kingdom, to display to the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have uniquely positioned us as a people in this hour to provide hope to those who are gripped with fear with this virus. You've positioned us as a people to display your wisdom, your manifold wisdom, to a world who has no clue how to be unified and reconciled. We are the ministers of reconciliation. So Lord, I'm asking that every person in their home tuning in right now would be met by a supernatural wave of your strength and of your hope. In Jesus' name, amen.